Live. They were condemning the innocent. That was their sin. Right. And then verse 8, for the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Yes. He wrote the book on the Sabbath. Yeah, in other words... He's the legislator, uh-huh. and he was he was telling them, "I am the legislator; therefore, I know the legislative intent, and I am the Lord of this Sabbath. I created it; I know what it's for." Yes. So, so the antithesis to what we read here would be. The disciples became hungry and stayed hungry. Uh, David would not, David would have um, not eaten the consecrated bread and possibly starved. Uh, Sabbath, the priests in the temple, uh, the, the priests were not innocent. Uh, you see what I'm saying here? If you, it's yeah, impossible. It's impossible to do what these Pharisees wanted done, and in fact, they knew that because they couldn't do it. Well, they knew that they they knew that they weren't doing it is probably more important. Is is they knew that they weren't doing it even though they didn't confess that to the rank and file, they knew that they weren't observing it. And so when he says to them what he does, what's their argument back? They they have no argument because one who is guilty of sin and guilty of violating the command can't sit there and then turn around and say, well, I'm justified because I did this, I did that. The only way you found the justification was just as he said about David and just as he said, you know, about them when they were hungered and began to pluck the ears of corn and to eat. You see, it was unlawful to 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 pick up to pick up those quail, you know, the manna from heaven uh off of the ground on the Sabbath. They were supposed to collect that So it looks like to me you could take any set of laws and given the right kind of people to apply the laws and you could uh, misinterpret any set of laws, couldn't you? Yes. uh, They have actually taken this constitution that we live under and done exactly what these Pharisees were doing here. Yes. In yes. order to call us uh, dirty names, such as uh, anarchist or or uh, what's their famous little word uh, where you're trying to overtake the government. Uh, I, I forget the word, but they love to use that word. Anytime you come out and condemn these 
these uninnocent acts. Like, like, stop and think about this right here, Doug. I asked a guy today, is it possible to take a young man and program him through drugs, hypnosis, whatever? Is this possible to take a young man and have him go into a school and murder innocent people? Do you think that's possible, Doug? I think it's very possible. Okay, if that were possible, would not all of these school shootings make a lot more sense to you? Certainly. Yeah. And so now we we say, and, and we, now the big chant is, you're too stupid to own guns. So we must take them from you, people. Don't you get it? You're you're not responsible for your actions. This we just saw it at the school shooting, people. We must take your weaponry. You're dangerous. But notice when they talk about this, every one of those policemen is loaded to the gills with automatic machine guns. Do you notice yep. that? Yep. So it's okay for them to have them. Well, wait a minute. The FBI is as high up as you can go, isn't it? In the uh, in terms of who's watching the hen house. Uh, Janet Reno was watching the hen house when the Waco thing came down. And we know that the FBI never lies or tells an untruth. We just know that because they're the FBI, Doug. Yes. They would never do something wrong, would they? Well, that's what that's what they wanted us to believe. Well, Mr. Rosenstein or Steen and... You notice every one of these people are a certain group? <laughs> it's a wonder how 3%, a 3% portion, a 3% portion of the population can can rule in every country, isn't it? Yeah, have a have 100% of the position in the government. Yeah, nearly, nearly, yeah. At least the the key ones for sure. Yeah. The, at, at least at least the key ones where they can they can keep an eye on everything. Yeah, but you don't understand. They're smarter. They're God's chosen people, Doug. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know uh, what's been on my mind for the last week and a half. Um, I guess maybe it's been less than that. I don't know how long ago that shooting occurred. Now. I don't know if it's just been this past week. Time seems to go by. But I've been in Isaiah chapter 3. Well, before uh, you go on, let me remind you of this. And I've said this before, and I'll repeat it. Charles Manson was able to do that with some people, wasn't he? Yeah. I mean, he got convicted of that. Yeah. He never did actually kill anybody. 
he was charged with convincing people to kill, right? Yeah. So if Charles Manson, who was nobody, raised in reform school in prison all his life, figured out how to do it, why is it so impossible that we might not consider other people learning how to do it and actually being more efficient at it? Or that they aren't getting more efficient in the way that they they do it. Um, yeah, I don't, uh, you know, we've talked about it, in fact, is uh, when you, well, you know, you think of the, the youth down there all all up in arms and the media is just lapping it up and and you got these you got these teenagers that are sticking their face in the camera and saying, Oh, they will listen to us. They will because we uh-huh. will make sure that none of these people ever see the light of day of a political office again that are receiving uh-huh. any money. Uh-huh. And and it reminds me of, you know, Isaiah three where we're told that women and children will rule over us. And we have we have no one to blame but ourselves because we replaced our God when we replaced him with that constitution, just like we replaced God when we asked for a king in the days of Samuel. And then it wasn't enough that we replaced our God with that constitution, just as he told us in First Samuel. He said, even if you're so stupid to do this thing, <clears throat> if you'll abide in my will and uh, obey me, I'll be with you and your king. So in the same sense, he says to us, if you're so stupid as to get this constitution over you, and you're going to actually, you know, use it to, to rule in place of me, and you're so stupid to do that, if you will remember me and you will abide by my commands and my judgments, then I'll be with you and your constitution. Well, I don't think it lasted 20 years, uh, to be quite honest, based on some of the things that I've uncovered in the last couple, three months by doing some research and some diligence in well, listen to what what you had brought up earlier. The 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 rest of the story, like Paul Harvey said in three twelve. Oh, my people, their oppressors are children, and women rule over them. Oh, my people, those who guide you lead you astray and confuse the direction of your path. That is exactly what they're doing. Yeah. Well, and and not only that, is that we have to recognize that he just got through telling us in Isaiah chapter two that um, that you know that that whole thing there was uh, uh, the caution to not put our confidence in man or any creature. And he'd also given us reason for that caution. So if we, not only from the frailty of humanity itself and the vanity and weakness of humanity, um, he was about to ruin all of their creature confidences, okay? 
So just think about our Constitution. It has been the creature confidence that has ruled this country for 225 years. <clears throat> and the, God told him in Chapter 2 that I'm going to ruin all your confidences that you are resting on. And then he tells in 3, he says, I'm going to take away your staff. I'm going to take away, what did he say? Yeah, the Lord of hosts does take away from Jerusalem, from Judah, the stay and the staff, and the whole stay of bread and the whole stay of water, the mighty man and the man of war, the judge and the prophet and the prudent and the ancient, the captain of fifty and the honorable man and the counselor and the cunning artificer and the eloquent orator, and I will give children to be their princes, and babes shall rule over them. And the people shall be oppressed, every one by another, and every one by his neighbor. Now, this isn't just starting now. This started, or this uh, a form of this started. We can look back through history in this country, and we can see how it started in the early 1900s. Um, maybe it started before that into the 1800s. I'm not real sure. <clears throat> but... You know, in 1960, we had all the the hippies that said, you know, we're gonna we're gonna take over. So what was that? That was the children. That was the children gonna take over. And so we've had more and more oppression. And now we're rearing another another age of youth that are telling us, you people are gonna listen to us. We're going to have you listen to us. We're going to rule over you. And, um, you know, I don't think a lot of people see it this way, but um, uh, it uh, seems pretty clear to me that uh, Isaiah chapter 3 is... is and, and the other thing about Isaiah chapter 3 is who's doing it, Russell? Who's doing it? Yeah. Uh, it says right here, uh, the Lord enters into the judgment, uh, with the elders and the princes of his people. It is you who have devoured the vineyard. The plunder of the poor is in your houses. What do you mean by crushing my people and grinding the face of the poor, declares the Lord? Uh, In chapter 3, verse 13, the Lord stands up to plead and stands to judge the people. The Lord will enter into judgment with the ancient of his people and the princes thereof. For you have eaten up the vineyard and the spoil of the poor is in your houses. So um, this is is brought on by God. He tells us in verse 1, for behold the Lord, the Lord of hosts does take away does take away. So, you know, uh, everything that we have done as a people in abject disregard of God's commands has led to God judging his people. Mm -hmm. And the rank-and-file church member just cannot grasp this even though it's it's from beginning to end in this Bible, there's no 
escaping it. And apparently, they're just so slopped up with this agape love uh, thing here that they cannot cannot fathom that God would still deal with his people in the same manner he's always dealt with his people. Well, you know, you brought up a very pertinent point this week, and you simply just said free speech. And all I could think of was, yeah, those lying bastards. Free speech. They arrested a student here at Permian High School today, this morning or yesterday afternoon. And you know what they arrested him for? He made a joke to somebody and said, I guess it's my turn to take out of school. Now, Doug, how is it that he gets arrested and you can burn and defecate a flag or burn down neighborhoods and we do nothing but free speech clause. And then you got you got me thinking about free love and the hippies of the sixties. There's no such thing as free love. What did they mean by free love? They meant like a dog, didn't they? Yeah. What did Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young said? If you can't love the one you love, love the one you're with. And that was pretty much summation of the 60s, wasn't it? Yep. And where are they now? Where are they now? They're old, decrepit. They look like zombies. And... um, they look destroyed at the ones that are still alive. And and you just got me thinking. There there's no such thing as free speech. That that's fantasy. It's free speech as long as they okay the speech. Exactly. And when some would argue and say, Well, Russell, don't you think that's common sense that you know, free speech has its limits. And it's like, okay, yeah, we 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 don't want people to make statements that say, I'm going to be the next school shooter, or we don't want somebody to yell fire in a crowded theater. So there are limits on free speech. Okay, so let's just take that to the logical conclusion and say, okay, then there are limits on free speech. Okay, well, then why don't we have limits on free speech concerning lying? Because God told us, you don't have free speech. He said, thou shalt not lie. He said, thou shalt not. He didn't say, thou could or that thou may. He said, you shall not. But, yeah, now let's take it a step further. We have Ruth. Is it Bader Ginsburg? Right. And her ilk, they're the ones that decides what is free speech and non-free speech. And they're good, they're good, faithful, loyal uh, 
what do they call those people that adhere to the law and the Jewish faith? Traditional? Or they're uh, they're followers of a different religion than ours. And so why would we want them to rule over us? And why would we want to make ourselves equal with them? Yeah. Called a Judeo-Christian ethic. That's blasphemy, isn't it? Yes, it is. But you just imagine going before Ruth and saying, Ruth, this man wants to marry another man. Is this lawful? And I guarantee you she's going to call up her rabbi and say, well, what do you think, Rabbi Schwinkter? He's going to go, oh, yes, it's right here in the Shalabala Binga Dinga, where that's permitted, and that's fine. And, yeah, do it. And, yeah, it's been blessed. And we know that, that it has not been blessed and that it, destructive and yet we sit back and we throw a guy in for president who's all for it and proudly announced it we stand with you gay lesbians and all the other initials we're we're with you this republican party's with you all of us could have got a hot mic said well I just think that's wrong I don't care what he says it's wrong you didn't hear that did you yeah and now look at him now he's decided we may need to do a few gun laws because his daughter probably went up there and bawled her eyes out about daddy you gotta do something got to stop the bloodshed. And then in Australia, they took all the guns, and this doesn't happen. Let's let's continue reading. uh, Let's continue reading three, because it's, it's really, oh, man, if it doesn't speak of this nation right now in many other ways. Let me ask you a question. Has violent crime stopped? in Australia? No. Okay. Proceed. Um, The Lord stands up to plead and stands to judge the people. We're in 13. The Lord will enter into judgment with the ancients of his people and the princes thereof, for you have eaten up the vineyard, the spoil of the poor is in your houses. What mean you that you bear my people Uh, beat my people to pieces and grind the faces of the poor, says the Lord God of hosts. Moreover, the Lord said, because the daughters of Zion are haughty and walk with stretched forth necks 
and wanton eyes, walking and mincing as they go, and making a tinkling with their feet. Therefore the Lord will smite with a scab the crown of the head of the daughter of Zion, and the Lord will discover their secret parts. In that day the Lord will take away the bravery of their tinkling ornaments about their feet, and their calls and their round uh, tires like the moon, the chains and the bracelets and the mufflers, the bonnets and the ornaments of the legs and the headbands and the uh, tablets and the earrings. I probably should read that from the Amplified. The the, The rings and the nose jewels, the changeable suits of apparel, and the mantles and the uh, wimples and the crisping pins. I mean, man, does that, you know, the nose jewels, just, yes, just when was that? When my, was that? I said nose rings. Yeah. Uh, just who was it? Where was I? And there was this girl, oh, I think with Jeremiah and I went skiing, and I think there was this girl behind the counter she didn't actually wait on us, but I saw her twice, and she had that ring in her nose. And all I could think about, all I could think about, was this chapter and the rings in their noses and their nose jewels. And so I'm, man, is this fitting America to the T? All I can think of when I see that is that bull with a ring in his nose. Yeah. It's like, really? Do you really think this is an upgrade by sticking a ring in your face? People are now um, putting rings in their ears to stretch their ears out and put a hole in it. Yeah. Yeah, and it looks like something off National Geographic. Yeah, Yeah, that's... We, yeah, I remember when we used to look at the National Geographic and see those those aboriginals all over the African continents with those things and the big plates in their mouth stretching their lower lip out and everything and and it's like man, what weirdness! And they're doing that here in America with their earlobes and their uh, all sorts of things. Uh, um, man, it's just it's just such a depiction of where we have come and uh, you know I still think the vast majority of people believe that we're somehow going to get out of this and I don't mean to sound defeatist at all, but we are not getting out of this because God's judgment is true and righteous altogether. It it doesn't it it doesn't exist in a vacuum. It will happen. It will come upon you. And how patient He is, as I said, I think last week or the week before, we've got you know. We see some of these societies, you know, the Grecian society, the Medo-Persians, the Roman era. You know, that was a span of 500 years from a couple of hundred 
uh, you know, 250 years B.C. to, you know, 250 years A.D., uh, that they ruled the greater region of the earth um, at that time. And here we are as Americans ruling over the greater portion of the world um, as the American symbol of freedom and liberty and justice and so forth, the epitome of all things good and all things righteous, supposedly, and we've been at it about 225 years with this Constitution. And um, if God is actually accounting the the 200 years uh, at least, or 150 years, we're 350 years into our own 500-year destruction. And if we're not going to turn it around the way the other uh, ancient uh, societies didn't turn it around either... God may let this thing go on for another 200 years uh, until it stinks to so it's such a stink that it's necessary to throw fire and brimstone upon it and, and fireball it. I saw, Doug, in a headline today, a guy cleaning the streets of San Francisco, and yeah. the t- title said, Streets of San Francisco, putrid, full of vomit and defecation, as the street cleaner cleans the sidewalk with a high-powered washer. How how better can you sum up San Francisco? Defecation, putrefaction, and vomit. Yeah, it's uh, it's just absolutely, and, and it's coming to every city in America, and um, and and the thing of it is, is there's no escaping it for those of us who want to escape it or try to escape it, uh, because the. You know, the system is tightening the noose so as to hurt us all into the uh, in the metropolises and out of the the far regions. And every time they accomplish that, they take over more land and it becomes government controlled. And, oh, that'll never happen, Doug. That's, you know, good grief. That's, that's just not going to happen. You know, Russell, I was thinking about this the other day. And Greg brought it up to me. My dad, when Greg was going to go into the service, my dad asked Greg, if your government tells you to turn your gun on the citizenry of America, are you going to do it? Now, that's a question that I wish every father asked his son when he sent him, when his son decided he was going to go serve his his national, uh, his nation in in a, in a military capacity, because yeah, but it didn't call him to stop and think, because he went and joined. Yes, yes. He took he took an oath. He took a religious test. 
yes. to get in to get into that. And you know all, the, and, and you know all the while he was in there, he knew all of that, and he he recognized all of that, and and <clears throat> so it is confounding in the one sense. Um, I don't know, maybe because you know, Dad was forced to, you know, be in the military. Greg wanted to somehow be pleasing in the eyes of of dad perhaps uh, you know he's never said that openly or anything but you know a son does want to please their their father and in some respects that we see children doing that where they go into military or service in that way because dad's dad did or dad did or you know it's kind of a tradition in the family or whatever you want to call it i guess but yeah, and sad but, to say, a lot of kids do that with baptism, and they really don't understand it. Yeah, they just yeah, they, do it. they know it'll make dad and mom happy. Yeah, but dad and mom probably sitting there thinking that's one fine son I've raised or daughter. Look how obedient they are to the word of God. And hopefully that is the case. Only the person making the decision knows that. And you brought it out some time ago that you better you better know what you're doing. You better understand it. Because it's a real thing. Yeah, you know, once that commitment is made, <clears throat> and um, and and it is understood what that commitment means, and how you want us to live, then uh, in accordance with the will of the Father and the Creator, then um, it there is no escaping it. If if you think you're going to escape it, the only way you'll escape escape it is just in your mind by neglecting and disregarding the pain, the suffering, and the toil that's upon you as a result that you will not give any credence to that that's the cause of your of your suffering and your misery. Um, many uh, people who have been baptized believers and go the way of of wickedness, um, you know, there's no way that God's going to be mocked. And they they may neglect and reject that all these things that have come upon them or that they start seeing come upon them because they've decided it was a light thing that they did and so forth, if they reject and fail to connect the dot, they will live a life of of of, of total destruction and, and will have never made the connection. You know, we talk about that a lot. God will not be mocked. And the reality is they're mocking him all over the United States right now. 
But also the reality is they're bringing judgment on themselves. And the pain they suffer, we don't always see, do we? No. And so a lot of times we just think, God, do something. You know, look at this mess. And he is doing something. (laughs) We just read he's causing it. Uh, And if you read the rest of that, he had a remnant, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. You read on in that, uh, I I guess it's chapter 4. He talks about the remnant, the remnant. And, uh, you know, we're, you're sitting with your family and I'm with some of my family. And the thing I want our children to understand is, is that this is good. What we have is good. The relationships that we have are good. Uh, we have a God to serve we can come together in his name. That's a that's a good thing. That's that's happiness, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, and, and and that is that is the legislative intent of of his laws is four of them deal with your relationship with him, understanding, acknowledging him as a creator. And one, acknowledging the parents in their procreative similitude to God. And then five, that are your relationship with those that you come in contact with. And none of that can, uh, you know, you talk about pursuing life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Uh-huh. Um, and these these framers, you know, they did a lot of talking about. Well, why wouldn't you want to, you know, go to the to the religion where the life, the liberty, and the pursuit of happiness is is most uh, most proficiently uh, available? And yet, the very thing that they did proficiently took God away from them. Everything that has happened to us has happened as a result of the Constitution, and every provision in the Constitution allowed all of the things to happen. You think about Congress's power to create all these agencies, FBI, BATF, all the alphabet soup gang uh, you know, operations that we have. And we now understand, if we didn't understand before, we're now able to see more clearly uh, the the these things were nothing more than political tools from the very inception. The huh. the clothing that they wore under the guise that well we need a federal bureau of investigation to yeah. you know to handle crimes. No, all those crimes could have been handled by the sheriff at the local level. You know, uh, and uh-huh. and. And still to this day can be handled by the sheriff. Oh well, the FBI has tools at its availability that that the the sheriffs don't. Well, all we needed to do was spend the same money that we spent for the FBI 
to buy those tools and buy those tools for the sheriffs. It's just such a crock. It's just the the lies and the deception and the deceit and everything. It has it has shown itself clearly to yeah. those with eyes to see. Can you see now how they started the Civil War, the war between the states? They used the same template, same pattern, same phony calls for division. They weren't worried about slaves. It was about money and God. They didn't like the Southern people's God. They didn't like their way of life. And now, nothing's changed. If you, well, if, if you believe that the ownership of a firearm is your right, you're considered insane by this other side. You know, the thought occurred to me this week, a lot of these things have been talked about, about Lincoln. Um you know what you just said there, Russell, about the um, the uh, uh, the war between the states, and they didn't like the South. You see, what they didn't like, and what they were going to show, was that they didn't like the hypocrisy. You see, that's what they, when you look at liberalism, liberalism essentially um, points out hypocrisy of those who are professing to be more righteous. And I find that that's an interesting thing that I believe many people don't see because, you see, it was not righteous for the people of the South to to take into bondage another people. But the very people who were taking them into bondage were the, the today's people, the liberal people of today. They were the ones who were preeminent in it and yeah, preeminent in, in the traffic of it. And then secondly, so so what they do is they like to show us as being the hypocrite and and that's what they've been doing in this country all along. And this is what happens when we apply God's laws unbiblically, whether it's you know a a uh, amendment to uh, to prevent all alcoholic beverages ever being made or consumed, it's it's an unbiblical practice that mm-hmm. they tried to make an argument for, and uh, obviously realized that that it wasn't going to work. Instead of you know promoting the things that we are to promote, that that make one find alcohol in its excessive consumption repugnant. And so there again, we we did not carry the biblical argument correct and apply it correctly. We attempted to apply it in a way that was not meant and intended. Yeah. 
And so, and so, in their haste to expose the hypocrites, they themselves indeed do turn into hypocrites as well. Well, yeah, they, but see, but see, they don't claim to be—they don't claim to be righteous anyway. They so so therefore, them showing themselves as hypocrites at all that, that they don't view themselves that way because they're they don't they don't. My point is, uh, their world love is the answer, and hate is evil. But it is okay to hate your fellow man who owns a rifle. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely, yes. Or a handgun or a slingshot. And and what you're saying is their hypocrisy is never never conveyed or revealed by by the... No, it's a free... And I believe this with all my heart. The media has always been fake. It's it's been a tool of the adversary. Unchecked, unchecked by law. Anything goes in the press. Think about that. Anything you want to print, who's going to challenge it? Nobody. Because what do they always preface that with? Well, it's almost impossible to get a conviction in that from slander. And and what about this this thing, this guy, uh, this special prosecutor, Doug? Is it, what's his name? Is it Mueller? Mueller, yeah. Okay. He comes out with... 16 indictments? Is that what it was? Something like that? And Yeah. And, am I wrong? Am I wrong in my understanding of what a grand jury and the word indictment means? Isn't that nothing more than a probable cause of a crime? A possibility? It's by no means a conviction, is it? No. Okay, and yet these these jackass psychopaths get right up there and say there's no question about it now. We've got these indictments to prove it. And I'm thinking to myself, an indictment doesn't prove anything. But possibly we ought, we ought to put it to trial. That's all an indictment is. Is it maybe it's worth a trial to consider the evidence, pro and con. Yeah. But a conviction and a reality and the facts prove it. I mean, they just vomit this stuff out as if it's fact. Well, yeah. And we've got a grand jury uh, uh, indictment on on fifteen people or whatever the number is that don't even live here. Yeah, and once more than all that, they'll never be in a in a court of law in America, and he knows it. Exactly. 
So more smoke and mirrors. Yeah. And, and we're supposed to just be falling all over ourselves, you know. And uh, and Comey um, made a statement that no prosecutor worth their salt would take this case against Hillary. What does that make this nut whack that took the case against Trump? They had much less evidence than they had against Hillary. So he must not be worth his salt. And even less than that. And yet the beat goes on, like Sonny and Sherry used to say. And what I think they meant by that song is uh, there's no righteousness. There's in this system we're in, this uh, constitutional system. They love to bring out that word, don't they? It's it's yeah. as if it's as if righteousness was attached to the word constitution. And you know, you know what a constitution is is nothing but a set of rules that somebody's dreamed up to live by. It's not God's constitution, is it? No. No, it's not even close to it, is it? I mean, how could you proclaim that a divine a divine instrument? I've heard people allude to that. This is a divine. Well, isn't that blasphemy? Yeah, it's uh, it's absolutely amazing to to watch it unfold, and you know, and, and it's unfortunate because we we I, I I try to look back into the times and ask how these remnant you know dealt uh, well how they dealt with this this knowledge of the coming destruction upon their own people and recognizing, you know, the hand of God in it because of the disobedience and the disregard. And because you have children, you know, you've got this procreated part of God that he says to go out and and fill the earth and and bring forth children and teach them in his ways but when they're not being taught in their ways you have a bunch of people who become the remnant or a small group of people that become a remnant and they have to witness all of this and they have to put their own children in it you know it's like i was telling jeremiah the other day you know uh um he better start reading and understanding and studying or something because I I, I don't feel like I, I want to be the one that's going to, you know, put the shackle around his, his leg, you know. And and it's, it's, I mean, gone through it now several times and you are doing the same thing and you just, you feel like, that's all you're doing is is 
setting the shackle on his leg, you know? Well, let's think about this a minute. Let's just think a minute. Uh, back to where we started. That that child, eventually, at some point in his life, he's going to want to drive a vehicle, isn't he? Yeah. Okay, now, he's going to have to do some things that we don't agree with. But he's innocent, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, I I get it. I I get that. I mean, but that doesn't make it easier knowing that <laughs> doesn't. I'm just thinking about what Jesus just said earlier about the Sabbath. These people are having to do some things, but they're not wantonly doing things against God. It's like this is what you have to do, I guess, if you're going to do that. Now, you can do like the Amish and not participate, can't you? Yep. But I'll bet you five to ten that there's rules on those buggies that must be followed. Oh, yeah. I mean, I I argued one of those. I argued one of those famous uh, decisions in the driver's license case, Yoder versus Wisconsin. And in Yoder, uh, in that decision, he he successfully argued that his right to travel is unimpaired um, and it cannot be impaired. Uh-huh. And the state came back and said, well, there is an underwriting interest that the state has in protecting all peoples who use the road and the the uh, the objective of a court or a legislative body is to make it as unobtrusive as possible so um, Yoder argued that 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 rectangle orange or triangular orange sign on the back of his buggy being required to have it put on there um, Uh violated his religious beliefs in that he did not believe that that they had an overriding interest that overrode his his right to travel and uh, to be marked with this, this basic mark uh-huh. And um, so it went to the Minnesota Supreme Court, or was it a Wisconsin Supreme Court? I don't remember now if it was Wisconsin or Minnesota. What? I bet there's some good three percenters there. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's uh, you know, it's, but if you're going to live a life of constantly being in and out of a courtroom um, what kind of life is that? what kind of a life is that? and um, that's as I say all of this stuff that we have is because men have taken the position 
that we have to have these things, and they've never once considered not having them and how and how to function without having them and yeah. of course the main purpose for having them really at all is because of crime <laughs> whether you hit somebody with your vehicle or other kinds of things the whole purpose that the driver's license has has proven serviceable for is for the classification and tracking of individuals whom are going to be charged with a, quote, crime. Otherwise, there'd be no reason to have a driver's license. We'd all get in the car and go from here to there and do this and that. But they knew that there were going to be some people who were going to be the criminal element. And we'd want to know who that individual is and the vehicle and so forth so we could track that person down in order to uh, hold him accountable and responsible. And, you know, but there would have been ways in which to do that without driver's licenses and without plates on the vehicle. There would have still been law enforcement there still would, and we'd have a lot less of that if we we're applying the laws of God. We wouldn't even be having to have the conversation about needing a driver's license or a plate on the vehicle. You, uh, you talk about the for the greater whole, which is their rational rationalizing line, the Marxist doctrine about uh, for the. For the greater whole of society, uh, they have come on several times on the news, insinuating that if you don't vaccinate your kids, you're a child abuser, and if you don't vaccinate yourself, you're a criminal, because you become a burden to society, just like the driving with a driver's license. Can you yeah. imagine? Can you imagine somebody? saying to themselves, we have to shoot mercury in our body, and we know it's not going to battle this flu that's out there now, because it's the wrong strain, but it might help, therefore this is the law. I'll bet you it is the law some places. Oh yeah, it's the law many places. In fact, a a woman in a custody battle with a husband uh, argued uh, for non-vaccination of the children, and in the custody battle, the husband wants them to be vaccinated, and so as a result, it wound up before the adjudicator and... uh, the female adjudicator said they're going to get vaccinated. Uh huh. So she sided with Papa, and uh, they're going to uh-huh. get vaccinated. And she was put in jail for violating the court's order to vaccinate him. Okay, is that same as contempt? Yeah, that's exactly it. Now, okay, now, now go ahead. I- Nothing but contempt for the courts. So what would they charge charge me with? Total contempt? Absolutely. 
<laughs> now I want to take you to. I don't know if I took you to this yet. I want to take you to something. Um, I think I might have, but this is very, very instructive. Um, um, I'm going to need to find it here. Um, uh, that was okay. Um, this is what I've, I'll just read what I've wrote that's going to be in the message. Um, uh, before Jefferson died, indeed, even before his two-term presidency ended, he reflected on things already visible then, which we have had to live under and be oppressed by. And here's his quote. This is from Berg, writings on Jefferson. Quote, this is a quote of Jefferson. Quote, our government is now taking so steady a course as to show by what road it will pass to destruction, to wit, by a consolidation first and then corruption. The engine of consolidation will be the federal judiciary. Now I'm going to stop. Okay, what were we just talking about? We were just talking about this court decision where this woman's children were taken from her. You Uh see... This is a decision that most people don't know about. The vast majority of people in the country, they would not have any idea that this woman was going through a situation like this and that a judge ruled. Now, that ruling by that judge becomes a precedent. Uh-huh. And that precedent is going to be there for some other case down the road. And this is what... Um, they were talking about. Go ahead. The good news is these idiotic judges have always forgotten precedents when they needed to, uh, such as Roe v. Wade. Sure, sure. Or, you know, or the Obamacare. There was plenty of precedents against forcing people to buy something. And they just overlooked it because we don't know how much this guy was paid. We don't know. We don't know what videos they had on him. We don't know John Robert, but we know he was put in there to be a to do the right thing, and he did exactly opposite of the right thing. So usually, what causes people to do that is pressure. You know, yeah. But anyway, it's uh, it's after my cutoff time. And did anybody join us tonight? No. Huh. <laughs> I just got off the phone with. I said, you know, about a year or two ago, about fifteen or twenty guys got together. All agreed we needed to stay in touch and fellowship. And I said, so the two of us are going to get together here. As soon as we get off the phone, we'd love to have you join us. I know that life happens. But does it happen 365 days a year? 
And then I told him, I said, you know, you don't, you don't know who God is, so you need God. And the worst possible state you could ever get in is comfortable. So he yeah. allowed me to be uncomfortable. Therefore, I think about this on Tuesdays or Mondays or Sundays. I think about it. I think about reading this word over there, over the airways. Somebody might hear it, mightn't they, Doug? Yeah. You, yeah, it, uh, it's uh, definitely definitely necessary and it's unfortunate that we we often too often take it very lightly in consideration and like you say I think that's a good way to say it is that we don't know God until we need him and then when we need him he's he's quickly forgotten yeah, it's a cycle that's been done over and over since the Garden of Eden. After and it's believed that we've been rescued from our dilemma, why then uh-huh. it's okay to it's okay to let a little rope out and let that little life preserver get a little farther away from the boat because we feel like all we got to do is just just pull it back in. Uh-huh. So my prayer is we don't forget him. And All right, well, I'll, I'll let you begin then. Our Father that, that resides up in the outer space, in the outer places in the galaxy, Father, forgive us. Forgive us for forgetting. Forgive us for not putting emphasis on remembering and remembering the effort and the things that you do for us. Forgive me for forgetting. I know it's, we are commanded to remember your good words. And so I pray that that we don't forget our brethren we remember our brethren or remember that we need to come together and and discuss you and find out what your preference is. We know what our preference is and it's never it seems good, Lord, but it's not as good as yours. We can logically analyze something and come up with an answer, but you've already answered it in your word and that's better than what we came up with. So give us courage to stand by your word. Lord, and we thank you for many, many blessings you give us. Thank you for our relationship with other people. Thank you for providing. And thank thank you for for doing exactly what you said you'd do, Lord. When when your people turn their back on you, because that makes you not a liar. 
and we've got to learn to thank you for seemingly the bad stuff as well as the good stuff, the stuff that we think is bad, Lord. We're putting our trust in you. So when we come to these hurdles, help us. Give us the strength to jump them, overcome them, Lord. Give us the heart and the mind of an overcomer as we go through these perilous times. Jesus, we ask in your holy name. We thank you ahead of time for it. Amen. Amen. Yes, Heavenly Father, we do do thank you. We come to you always, Lord, wanting to remember to give glory to you. And Father, we pray that you, as Russell said, help us to remember to glorify your name. Father, put it upon our lips and the top of our mind always to remember to give praise and glory. Praise and glory to you, just as Russell did. Praise and glory for your your integrity, Father, for showing us your righteousness by carrying through. Oh, that we would learn the lesson, just like the child who refuses to acknowledge the parent's instruction, the parent's chastisement, and turns and does his own will in his own way in spite of the instruction and in spite of of what the construction manual completely told us would be the just cause or the just reward, I should say, the just judgment for having been disobedient. And so for that, we thank you. We can see the signs in your prophets of old telling us exactly what has befallen us, and it's coming from you. It's your doing. It's your hand upon us. Not because you enjoy it that way. You would much rather that we would get it right and be in accordance with your will. But because we do not and because we have not, it's necessary that chastisement must come. Uh And so, Father, I do also thank you for that because it shows that you are not a liar. It truly does. So, Father, we thank you for that. Thank you for the time that we have to fellowship together and to enjoy one another's company and to share in your word. Father, we do pray for our children. We pray for our president. We pray for this nation, Father. But we also know that you said that you will not hear our prayers if we will not turn to you. But that does not mean that we are supposed to be slack in our prayers praying that your people would turn to you Amen. so that you would hear those prayers from heaven and know that there was somebody, maybe five, maybe ten, maybe fifty, maybe five hundred, that did not bend their knee to acquiesce to the wickedness, but truly cried out to you to save us. And so that's our prayer, is that you save us that you reach out your hand and show us once again your redemptive power to turn us from our wicked ways and to save us from our destruction. Amen. We ask it in the blessed holy name of the Lord Jesus Christ and thank you in advance. 
for hearing our prayers, knowing our voices are crying out to you. Amen. 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 Well, guys, well hey, it was good, good chatting with you guys again. Yes, keep your powder dry, Dad. <laughs> okay, I will. And when are we going to get to hear some of these sermons? Um, I'm going to start recording them this week, so they'll. Uh, I'll start to pop them onto the uh, onto the website, onto the well, top shoe here. I got an idea. When is uh, whenever our uh, Passover celebration day is? Maybe you can deliver one. Yeah. Yeah, I've been thinking about that coming up. Um, Got a little conflict that uh, my co-trustee threw in the wrench. Um, And she went ahead and set a date to go to New Mexico after we specifically spoke on the phone indicating that we would not make these dates until this and this and this were known. Uh-huh. And so she she went ahead and booked a date. So and of course she booked it on the third, which is the end of Passover, but I would prefer probably not to go that week anyway, but so well, we'll we've got a little time and if it works out, praise God. If it doesn't work out on that date You've got to get a sheep out of a ditch. Yeah. And we'll uh, we'll schedule it for another time. But it sounds like this lady, uh, which I've always maintained, um, she's just not a stable person, I don't think. That's just based on what I've seen. She yeah. Him- him hard. But, hey, maybe she's got a reason. I don't know. But, all right. Well, we'll we'll talk again next week then. So, take care, all. Good night. Good night, night, everybody. Bye.